So as often is the case, there's this rich mixture of very brand new and quite seasoned practitioners. And that's perfect because this is something where we start from ground zero and work our way up. And even for those of us who have had a few years under our belt of meditating, it's always helpful to start from basics so that we reconnect with those, you know, those places of, you know, what is the foundation of what it is that we're working with so that we can use it in our own practice, in our own cultivation. My own perspective has been I've always felt that if people really see what happens when they come close to the teachings and watch what their mind-body feels like, then that will be the place where they'll be interested to want to know more. So my whole take has been to offer the Dhamma and see if that's a context where people want to know more. Yeah. So I am really delighted to see everybody here. So thank you for making the effort to come on a very cold morning with a little bit of icy roads and after quite a spectacular um, weather forecast yesterday, which didn't quite pan out, but never the mind. And, um, you know, as Sierra was saying, you know, I've been doing this for a while. And the reason why I do this is because I love it. And the reason why I love it is because, for me, I have absolutely seen the way that the teachings work and how we can bring them into our minds and bodies in order to find more peacefulness and ease and clarity and joy in our lives. And I love it when I have opportunities to be able to share in ways where other people can also have those experiences. So we do this individually and we do this together as a group. And as a group, when we enter into meditation practice together, there's um, something beautiful that emerges in terms of not just about each of us on our own trying to figure it out, but each of us in our interest in showing up and being attentive and settling in creates a fabric of mindfulness, of care, of kindness that then supports all of us relaxing and feeling supported in this unfolding. One of the very powerful things that is uh, uh, kind of like a, a foundation stone in the Buddhist practices that I am familiar with is um, related to refuges and precepts. And um, in the tradition that I come from, taking the refuges is a way of connecting oneself with the qualities of the awakened mind, the truth of what's happening in the present moment, and the collective aspiration to awaken. And, you know, historically, the way the refuges are taught is that each of them, the refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, have different 
meanings. So the refuge in the Buddha can have the meaning of taking refuge in the historical person who lived and a, a wor- had a realized these profound and transcendental truths. And taking refuge in the Dhamma can be really having a sense of a close affiliation or affinity with the legacy of teachings that were left as a result of the understanding that he had. And taking refuge in the Sangha is taking refuge in the monks and nuns as well as the all of the people who have realized, had direct experience with these truths. In our contemporary world, particularly for those of us who don't have a lot of association with Buddhism, then we don't know who the Buddha is. And we don't really necessarily have any feeling one way about the Buddha. So why would we take refuge in something that we don't have a clue about? And that's a valid question. It's an important and valid question. But when we recognize that what Buddha means is the awakened one, then forget about the Buddhism. Go for the gold. Leave the history and the cultural context to one side and open up to the possibility of tapping in to the quality of being awake, which is innate, ever-present, timeless, and totally independent of what your faith is. Okay? There's no need to sign up and be blue-chipped what is needed is to really begin to get a sense that this quality of waking up is ever-present and it is something that is a valuable thing to touch into. Okay? The quality of truth, certainly I have benefited enormously from the legacy of the Buddhist teachings and in no way do I want to dismiss or to undervalue or devalue that. But I also know that there are many truths. There are many paths. And there are many places where things overlap. And there are some places where things diverge. But it is hard just to carve out a place that says that this is the only thing that is true. I can't, in my own hearts, do that with a lot of conviction. Okay? But what I do know is is that in the present moment, there is always the truth of what is arising. And again, that truth is completely independent of your belief system. And nobody has a monopoly on it. And then here we are in a world that has phenomenal levels of complexity in it. But what we see again and again and again is the power of what happens when we come together and support each other in waking up. And again, this has got to be something that is wider than a narrow definition. So for me, that refuge in Sangha is the collective aspiration to wake up. And the direct experience of waking up. So when I take refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, that's what it means for me. And when we have precepts, we make a commitment not to kill, not to steal, 
not to engage in sexual activity that causes harm, to refrain from speech that is confusing, slanderous, harsh, divisive, or untrue, or useless, and to refrain from drinks or substances which confuse and cloud the mind. Now, I just came from a weekend that was quite a remarkable weekend, and I learned a lot from it. But they didn't keep the precepts. There was no agreement that people had to maintain any basic sense of harmlessness. And the amount of shit-shoveling that was required as a result was actually quite substantial. And so I came away from that recognizing, well, yeah, on one hand I can understand that they're not wanting to create a context where people who feel that there's some kind of a religious association is required in order to participate. But the mop-up, when there isn't any kind of basic agreement of like what we do and what we don't do, was huge. All right? So I came away thinking, yeah, okay, so on one hand, I understand why they've done this. And on the other hand, I'm so glad this is not a conflict for me, that I can live with precepts and I can be in spaces where I can encourage people to live with precepts and it's not some kind of a moral dilemma, that it's not exclusionary, you know, that actually we can agree to do things like that and it's not a conflict. Now, it's the, the like the gross level is not to kill, not to steal, not to engage in sexual misconduct, not to engage in incorrect speech, and not to engage in, in intoxicants. On a more subtle level, it has to do with not causing harm on any level. And for most of us, what we really need to watch out for is the kind of thoughts and habits and beliefs that we have in the ways that we harm ourselves the kinds of ways we put ourselves down, the kinds of ways that we undermine ourselves, the kinds of ways that we label, that we constrict, that we shame, that we belittle. It goes on and on and on. And so when we make a clear commitment not to harm, we have got to say, time out. This stuff arises as thought, but not to believe it, not to follow it, not to engage in it as if it is the truth. To recognize it is a thought that is arising that needs to be seen as such and not followed. When we are working with the precept of non-stealing, okay, so people have got their stuff, you know, there's laptops and there's purses and there's books and there's whatever's, you know, it's everyone's stuff. You don't need to rifle through it, you know, it's not for you. But on a much more subtle level, it has to do with the way in which we relate to the content of our own experience, which is is that we're not happy a lot of times with what is just here. We want it to be something else. So if we're tired, we want to be energetic. And if we're too wired, we want to be calm. And if our knees hurt, we want them to stop. And if we're feeling crabby, we want to be not crabby. And so there's this constant relationship with life as if we had control and we could make it what we wanted it to be. And so one of the things about the precept of non-stealing for me, in the same way like my alms bowl, I receive whatever is offered and then it's my choice how I relate to it. But my bowl is open and I don't have a choice about what goes in it. All right? Our minds and bodies are a little bit like an alms bowl, you know? It's just what comes, comes. We have a lot of intelligence to learn and how to work with it. 
But we cannot predict, foresee, or control the things that we experience. You know? In terms of sexuality, this is a rich, large, and very wonderful topic because it has a lot to do with all kinds of things. And contrary to most people's assumptions, celibacy, which is what I live, is not a cutting off of sexuality. It's a total embracing of sexuality. And so what happens for me is, is that I can totally relax and rest in the peacefulness of what it is to be fully alive and fully human, know the depth of how this energy operates, and just be absolutely clear where my boundaries are so that it's not confusing. In terms of people who are engaged in relationship, it's just really important to know how important this energy is, how powerful it is, and how important it is to use and to relate to it with integrity. And so, you know, in a context like this, we'd be observing the equivalent of the eight precepts where this is not a situation to be picking up on each other, you know. (laughs) This is like, that's off limits, not because there's anything about that itself which is off limits, but because this is not the context. Right? So that people then can relax in themselves or they don't need to interpret glances or where you put your shoes or, you know, how you're drinking your drink as to be some kind of, some kind of a message that you're trying to convey to somebody else. You think I'm joking. So we can all rest and relax and know, yes, this is what it is to be human and we can completely feel comfortable to know that we can explore this in ourselves and we don't need to worry about the consequences of our own internal exploration because our message is clear. That's not where we're going here today. In terms of speech, I think what I'd like to do is generally encourage us to be a day of noble silence and there'll be times for conversation, discussion, and I might do some insight dialogue with everyone later in the afternoon. We'll have to see how it feels. So that means around the mealtime, around um, getting cups of tea, around stuff like that. And that is not because conversation is somehow less mystical or silence is more special, but because we have so many deeply ingrained habits around our speech that it's conducive to settle into ourselves to allow us to just be able to be inward. Now, this is not also permission to disassociate and say, you know, I don't care about you. But what it is, is actually to stay in relationship with each other, but kinesthetically, energetically, spatially, rather than conceptually and verbally. Okay? So in a space like this, where there's so many of us in a small space, we need to be incredibly sensitive to everybody else, where we are and all the rest of that. And we have one person in here whose legs don't work quite the same way the rest of our legs work. You know, and so if we bump into him, it actually causes much more of a problem than if somebody bumps into the rest of us. So we need to watch out for that. And also to give him a hand when he needs to get up from the chair. You know, so we need to look out and take care in ways that we can all do this together. Right? So... That's the fourth precept. And the fifth precept is around drink and drugs. So, okay, so unless you've got something in your water bottles that's not obvious, you know, it's not in the tea kettle, you know, it's not available in the space. I'm sure there's bars down the street. But, you know, I don't 
think that's going to be a big issue for people. But what happens for most and what happened for me for decades was is that even though I didn't have an issue with substances, I wanted to squeeze experience to generate bliss because what was ordinary to me was intolerable. Some resonance somewhere in laughter and giggles. And for me, that was an incredible, powerful reflection to work with of how I couldn't just tolerate things being ordinary. So we have an invitation to be with things as they are, to work with them, to develop skill, to learn how to access this awakened mind, which is our birthright. Everyone has that as part of what it is to be a human being, is the capacity to be awake and to be radically free from all kinds of suffering. So normally there's a um, a way of affirming the refuges and the precepts by repeating them. And so what I'd like to do is um, is do that. Yeah. And I know the refuges a chant for it in, in the Pali language and but I'll just I'll just offer that and then to repeat after me as as you feel um, comfortable with a different language. So I'll I'll repeat each sentence. Um, and the first one is I go to refuge in the Buddha. And just connect when you're saying that what that means for you. Okay, that quality of awakened mind. And the second sentence is as I go to refuge in the Dhamma. And the third sentence is I go to refuge in the Sangha. And I'll be chanting in the Pali language. Is that clear? Are there any questions about that? Okay, so we'll just make do with something fading in and out. Just watch how it works. Buddhang Saranang Chami. If you'd like to repeat after me, you're welcome. Buddhang Saranang Chami. Dhamang Saranang Chami. Dhamang Saranang Chami. Sangang Saranangga Chami Sangang Saranangga Chami And then the precepts. I, I take the precept of refraining from taking the life of any living creature. You can repeat after me. I take the li- take the precept of refraining from taking the life of any living creature. I take the precept to refrain from taking what is not given. I take the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. I take the precept to uh, from incorrect speech.
I take the precept to refrain from intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. Good. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.